holy and gracious God, we pray that you would speak a word to us this morning. That having heard your scripture, we might hear your voice. And that voice might change us and inspire us and give us life and energy for the week to come. Amen. I say this a lot, but I bet you came ready for this morning to celebrate Christ the King Sunday, right? You know, just like we come ready to celebrate Epiphany Sunday or Trinity Sunday or Ascension Sunday or Transfiguration Sunday or all of those Sundays that you probably don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. Well, some of you do. Christ the King Sunday is one that is uh, near and dear to my heart because I think it provides for us an opportunity to look at the character of Jesus and his accomplishments in a lens that sometimes we forget about. See, I grew up in a context where we talked a lot about the judgment of God when I became a Christian in high school. Talk about how God's wrath came down on Jesus and Jesus saved us from our sins, but we didn't talk a lot about what that meant for Jesus afterwards in our life. Like, what does it look like other than forgiving us of our sins? What does it mean for us now? And I talked about last week that we're getting ready for this season of Advent, which is a season of preparation, of waiting for things yet to come. And it's a season when we look to the second coming of Jesus, because that's what we believe. When we gather around this, the communion table, part of our liturgy is to say, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We call that the mystery of our faith. So what does it mean for Christ to be king? I know I have lots of ideas in my mind about what kings are and what kings do, and none of them are really super contextual because we've grown up in a democracy for, you know, the past hundreds of years, and so we don't understand what it means to live under the authoritarian rule of a king, and we don't understand that in good ways, we don't understand it in bad ways. And so a lot of times people feel like that word is foreign to them. But I can tell you what I kind of gather— right? It's to say that a king is one who has a sort of authority. King is in charge. King is the leader of this area, this community, this nation. And so when we look at Jesus and we look at his lordship, it's hard to see it in the same way. Because, you know, we have our own rulers that are around us. We have, you know, issues and pandemics and hurricanes and all sorts of things that call us into question uh, or call make us call into question what does it mean now like right now for Jesus to be king I grew up uh, growing up my brother and I were ultra competitive with each other. Um, it was always just a matter of, you know, who could run the fastest, who could skate the fastest, who could get down the hill on the skiing or snowboarding the fastest. Whatever we were doing, we're going we're gonna to try to be uh, better than each other. And, and I think that in some ways that was, you know, built this healthy competition for us to go after sports and other things. In other ways, it kind of built within us this sort of ideology that you have to win to succeed in life. 
And so when I find myself losing, I would get frustrated. And when I'd have a bad cross-country meet in high school, even when I wasn't competing with my brother, I would find myself defeated and depressed. And so some of my friends who happen to not be as competitive as I am, which tends to be a decent amount of my friends, especially growing up, because I'm ultra-competitive, like I said, they would wonder why it would be so upsetting to lose. And I remember I started to play in college um, Ultimate Frisbee. And one of the things about Ultimate Frisbee is they had this award that they would give to every, to one of the teams, kind of like the consolation prize, kind of how I viewed it, but they called it the Spirit of the Game Award. Because in Ultimate Frisbee, you have no referees, you call your own fouls and different plays, and the idea is that the spirit of the game, the fun to play Ultimate Frisbee, needs to be part of the ethos of that team, so much so that they govern, you know, themselves in that moment. But they would celebrate the spirit of the game team. And it wasn't just this consolation prize. It was something that teams truly wanted to get because they wanted to be a team that wasn't just about competing, although we did compete with each other and it got competitive, but it was about the joy of the experience. That it wasn't just about competing, but it was about the joy of the experience. And I say that because over the past eight months, that competitive spirit in me has been, well, to put it lightly, kind of squelched down a little bit. Because I don't know about you, but there is not lots in life right now that I feel like I'm winning at. There's not lots in life right now that I feel like I'm just knocking it out of the park and just going over and above in every single area, whether it's taking care of my kids, whether it's, you know, being able to be a pastor to you all, whatever it is during this season right now, I feel like it's like this struggle, right? Either we're struggling because we want to be able to hang out with friends. I'm an extrovert, and I desperately want to be more social than I normally am. I want to see your faces. I want to give you hugs. Or whether it's some of us dealing with furloughs or the risk of furloughs. Or whether it's being isolated at your house or having to go through quarantine because you've been exposed to COVID or trying to do this thing called distance learning, right? Life right now is hard for so many of us. And I think if, even if you're not, you know, competitive, that feeling of not winning, I'm imagining, is something that is there. And so we look to say that Christ is king, and, you know, this series, mini-series I talked about, we're headed into Thanksgiving, and say, give thanks in all things. It's just a difficult time, and one of the things I hear from people is that they're just tired, you know. We see the, the hope of a vaccine down the road, but then mainland, you know, is spiking all over, more cases, more deaths, and even just yesterday, we got reports of Hawaii of, you know, 130 cases on Oahu, and, and, and just the fear of a another spike here as well as we're getting Trans-Pacific travel. It's tiring, right? So what does it mean for Christ to be king? One of the things that I've had to learn as I've studied Christ, studied Jesus, is that the kingdom of God, believe it or not, 
is not about the winners in life, not about the people who have everything put together. The kingdom of God is made up of the people that Jesus spent the time with, that Jesus told us to care for, that Jesus was himself. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit in another gospel. Blessed are not the rulers and the kings, but blessed are the peacemakers. The last will be first. The first will be last. If you do this upon the least of these, that you do unto me. All words that Jesus has for us that turn our understanding of winning upside down. I've been uh, Facebook, I mean, I, one of the things that I do give thanks for, even amidst the difficulties in, that we're all experiencing right now, is the ways that I've connected to people that I probably um, would have been kind of left in the rearview mirror, even though I pray for them and think about them. But uh, I was messaging uh, my mentor from high school, my young life leader, who helped kind of embrace me within the Christian faith. And his name is Chuck, and I was men- messaging Chuck. But Chuck, I remember, in preparation for this uh, uh, we called it campaigner's trip. Um, it was a backpacking trip. He made us memorize a verse. And this was the first scripture verse that I've ever been told to memorize because I didn't remember say grew up in the church. And the verse that I was told to memorize was Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And I was told to memorize that because Chuck believed that this was one of the central components to our faith. Fast forward a few years, finding myself in college. Again, another mentor who taught me so much about what it means to be a Christian, to live out our faith. We had a small group together that met for four years, and in the third year, we decided to do a project together. And we called it the Kenosis Project. Kenosis was a reference to what people in the theology world attribute to this same scripture. Philippians 2. That you should have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, who is King and Lord of all, but did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited. Friends, this is not my understanding of winning. My understanding of winning is that when I have an opportunity to win and succeed, I grasp it and take hold of it so that I win. So that my kids get into the right college, so that I have enough savings in my bank account when I want to retire, so that my grandkids have what they need and are taken care of, so that I continue to climb up the ladder, whatever that career looks like for you. That is not winning according to Jesus. It's not to say those things are bad in themselves. It's just to say that that is not what it means to win for Christ. Who had all those things at his grasp, but instead emptied himself, 
And instead of taking the form of a king, was a servant. And not just one of those humble servants that everyone loves and, you know, is glorified later on, but was a servant even to the point of death. Death on a cross. One of the most profound theologians in my tradition, or my, like, journey, has been John Howard Yoder, and he wrote a book called The Politics of Jesus. Don't need to get into politics, that's for sure, right now, during this season, but one of his phrases, I think, hits the nail right on the head. He says that the cross is not a detour or an obstacle on the way to the kingdom. The cross is the kingdom come. Let me say that again one more time. The cross is not a detour or an obstacle on the way to the kingdom. The cross is the kingdom come. I began by talking about how I understood Jesus as this sort of God taking his punishment, coming down on Jesus instead of us, so that we can win and be free and be with God. That's the cross as a detour to the kingdom. Another idea is to say that the cross, that the suffering of Christ was just what happened to him. And now he's seated on the seat of glory, the right hand of God. That suffering and pain and whatever we might experience in this life happens and is a obs- the cross is an obstacle to the kingdom because it's really about the right hand of God. Friends, the cross is the kingdom. Because the cross embodies for Jesus the ethos of his life, which was one that was God himself and gave it out to the world. We gather around the table and we celebrate communion and we say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And we pray after that service and we say, God, we thank you for the gift of yourself. Help us be the very same body of Christ, which, mind you, does the same thing. Breaks of itself and gives away. Freedom, joy, peace, all those things that we aspire to don't come through what we understand as winning in life. They come through the same path that led Jesus to the cross. Giving of himself. So if you don't feel like you have your life put together and you are exhausted, that does not inhibit your ability to be free and to live out the same life as Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote the letter of Philippians from prison. And he says that we can find joy and freedom 
See, because once you release yourself from the need to win in all things, and that you can find freedom in all circumstances, in all places, even if that means you give of yourself in ways that are uncomfortable, you will find what it means to be free. One of my favorite children's books, because that's the world I live into these days, some of you might know, some of you might not because it's relatively newer, it's called Rainbow Fish. And it's a story about a fish in the ocean that has these beautiful, shiny, glittery scales, and they're all over its fish body. And it goes around, and the other, other fish in the ocean are jealous of that fish. And one of the fish, well, little fish comes up to Rainbow Fish and says, Rainbow Fish, can I just have one of your scales so I can be just kind of as pretty as you? And Rainbow Fish said, absolutely not, because he's the most beautiful fish in the ocean. And then the fish came up again, and then Rainbow Fish kind of like mean, was mean about it. And then all of a sudden, none of the other fish wanted to be around Rainbow Fish anymore because they heard how mean he was. So Rainbow Fish was desperate because he wanted to be liked and wanted to be loved and wanted everyone to like him. And so he went to the octopus. Octopus was this wise sage, apparently. Maybe Jesus, I don't know. The author was Christian. Octopus says, if you give it away, you will find what it means to be free. And you'll find happiness. And Rainbow Fish said, nah, I can't do that. Starts going away. But eventually, that's what he does. That little fish comes back. Rainbow Fish begrudgingly says, okay, you can have one scale. And decided it felt good. Then more and more fish came because they wanted to look pretty. Rainbow Fish gave his scales away. And something switched. He found himself happier than he was before. Beautiful message. Totally what Paul was trying to say. Totally something I feel like we need now more than ever. Because life's hard right now. But we can give ourselves away. And serve our family, serve our neighbors. Give of our time, our talents in new and unique ways. Give of our treasures. Doesn't matter what you're experiencing right now. Christ is king. King of the cross. That even amidst suffering, there is freedom. That you can be free now from all that weighs you down. Doesn't mean it's going to go away and all of a sudden magically disappear, but you might find peace, joy, and love. And that's the season we're going into. A season of hope and preparation and anticipation. A season of Advent. So we end the year reminded that Jesus of the cross is the king of all and that you can find freedom always. And then we go into the next season hoping and praying that to be true. And the series is going to be Let There Be Light. I know it might sound trite, 
But that light will begin in you with your hope, with your peace, with your love, and with your joy. The light of Christ will shine in the world. Let's give ourselves away. I invite you to pray with me. God, you had it all. And yet you were mindful of us. And then you came to be with us and you still could have had it all. And yet you gave yourself away. Hung out with the sinners and the tax collectors and the drunkards, the lepers. And yet you were free. You were happy. You were full of peace. Help us have the mind of Christ, that who being in the very nature God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped, but instead humble ourselves, like you humbled yourself, to the role of a servant that we might give ourselves away. And in the freedom of that release, we might find your peace, your love, your grace more fully than ever. Amen.